podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are... Getting a little bit of a treat here um, with a brand new head coach for Kansas. You know, one of the best ways to kind of get information, not really knowing what he is going to bring, um, is to talk to the people that have covered him at the place that he's been. So to, to help me talk about Leipold and what we might be able to expect from him as the uh, coach of, of Kansas, I have uh, Tim from Bull Run, uh, the ESPN the Nation site that, that covers the uh, the the Buffalo Oh my gosh! I feel really bad. I did not do my homework like I was supposed this to. That covers slap Buffalo. Our coach, I man. know, I know. I am so bad. I the oh gosh! I feel so the bulls. Horrible. The bulls. You know what? I was thinking it, and I'm sitting here. I was like, I was about to say it, and then I'm like, wait a minute. No, that doesn't sound right. No, wait. Oh no, the Bills are the 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 pro team. My gosh! I feel so sorry. I feel so bad about this. I've I apologize. You're right. I Just think don't this call is the University of Buffalo, and we're square. It's at Buffalo. Ah. Okay, I think I can do that for sure. Okay. okay, so obviously not the best of circumstances to be talking to you uh, because obviously we hired your coach away, <laughs> which seems to be okay. a habit for Kansas. I don't know why why Kansas keeps going back to Buffalo. There must be something great going on up there because we've we've now come to take your coach twice and it worked out not so great the first time. Hopefully it works out okay for Kansas the second time. But, um, you know, Leipold has been a big name in coaching circles for quite a while. There's been a lot of people talking about how he was going to be moving on. So the the first thing that I have to imagine is that you guys probably expect this to be happening at some point, if not this offseason, obviously, with kind of the weird timing of it. But it was probably coming in the next few seasons, you probably would imagine. Or am I off base there? You know, my bet would have been after next year. Um, when we, uh, you know, I thought he might have gone this year um, when when the Illinois job and what was the other one? The Vanderbilt job closed and he wasn't there. I thought we'd bit a bullet and we'd get one more year with him, which is good because we were set up really well for a good run in the conference again next year. Um, one of our best backs entered the transfer portal after the season and then got talked back into coming to Buffalo. So we were kind of, you know, we felt like we had dodged all the bullets that needed dodging. Um, and then, you know, Kansas imploded and, and, yeah. You guys got my hope up with Monken. Um, I, I was, everyone was saying, oh, that's where he's going. I'm like, oh, thank God. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the timing more than, than the him leaving. That's upsetting. Yeah, no. And, and that I completely understand. I mean, it was a horrible timing for Kansas, obviously. And I know that I personally, and, and a lot of my cohorts over at Rock Chalk Talk were, were hoping it would be Monken just because we've, you know, had a, had a big crush on his coaching style for quite a long time, really wanted him to come. Um, and just the fact that he wanted to be there, like he was probably one of the guys that had been, you know, wanting this Kansas job for longer than basically everybody else that's out there at this point. Um, Leipold that was written into his contract. Yeah, I, I know. I was I was floored to hear that he could get out of his contract in Army with no buyout to go to Kansas yeah, out of yeah, one of like was- five schools. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, but it, it, it's also kind of one of those things. Leipold and Munkin were the two big names that were kind of floating around, and I think everyone's expecting that. Munkin is going to have plenty of opportunities again to jump at the end of this next season. Kind of like what you were saying, like if, you know, I, I, I was fully expecting Leipold to, to honestly already be gone when, you know, I first heard rumblings that there was a potential that Miles may have some issues. Um, and we all thought Miles was going to be leaving for other reasons <laughs> instead of, 
you know, what what he actually ended up leaving for. But the, I, I do agree with you that, 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 the, that the timing is kind of weird. Um, I also, though, you know, in terms of Kansas looking for an outside hire, it didn't make much sense to say, you know, we're going to wait another six months and then go get somebody. Um, and so... Unfortunately for you guys, you know, Leipold's the, the guy that they wanted to, you know, to, to go after. And, and I mean, I, I think the fact of what he's done at Buffalo is extremely, extremely impressive. And so I, I kind of want to talk to you about that because obviously, you know, everyone talks about how, how good of a program builder he's been. Um, but I don't know that most people that aren't up in that area really know kind of what the Buffalo program was at before he got there. So can, can you kind of walk me through just a little bit about, you know, what was the program like before he got there and, and what did he actually do to get the program turned around? Sure. So there's some deep history and and I'll, I'll really gloss over to let you know how bad things were in some ways at Buffalo. Um, UB's intent in the 1990s was never to go, uh, division one a like that's not where we were aiming for what we would call today the fcs um but we couldn't land a conference and ub being the largest you know largest university in the state of new york uh we're able to garner interest from the mid-american conference and that's how we ended up uh we had no facilities for it um our football stadium was a track stadium built for the 1992 world university games uh, which, you know, it's, it's not terrible as a track stadium, um, but it's, it's doesn't keep up with most college stadiums. We had no field house in Buffalo, New York. Uh, you know, the, the team was sharing the weight room with every other uh, school and, and at times students, depending on the hours of day. So from 1999 to 2006, it was an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and there wasn't a ton of interest. Ward Manuel came along and basically told the UB athletic department, get serious about football or drop it. Like just pick one. They got serious. They hired Gil. They got some success. Um, Gil went away and Buffalo did what we thought was the next logical step, which was let's go hire the sexiest assistant coach out there we can find, which at the time was Cincinnati's Jeff Quinn. Right. You know, a a reasonable plan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, Cincinnati was amazing. Uh, The problem is Quinn came in with the Cincinnati playbook stamped a UB logo over it, tried to run it. And the first three years of Quinn were incredibly painful. Um, I mean, I think they're two and three win seasons. There was an FCS loss in there, I believe. Um, we were one of the only teams to actually lose to an Akron coach by Rob Ionello. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> so um, finally, someone named Cleo Mack, who was recruited initially by Turner Gill, came, came into himself and uh, – based on him and Brandon Oliver, uh, tore through the Mac, couldn't even win the division with Khalil Mack, if you believe that. So Jeff Quinn had every tool he needed to succeed and kind of just didn't just didn't get it. Got us to a bowl game, got off to a bad start the next year when Mack was gone, and they cut him. Then they brought in Lance Leipold, and a lot of us were kind of skeptical. Yeah, you know, 100, 106 and 9, but that's a division, 306 and 9. And Wisconsin Whitewater is kind of like the Alabama of Division Three in terms of facilities and prestige. Um, how was he going to do at Buffalo? And he was the one one eighty from Jeff Quinn, right? Just personality wise, very subdued, uh, very matter of fact, not flashy, not emotional. Um, you know, he's not he's not going to make you want to run through a wall as a fan or as uh, someone who runs a blog. You know, he's yeah, not going to make yeah. you feel like. 
you know, I want I want to eat our opponent's hearts out. Um, Although I'm I'm going to be honest, given what we've had in the last you know four coaches we've had, just his first press conference made me want to you know it, it got me excited. Not necessarily like the hyped up you know yeah. I'm I'm ready to like go punch something, but definitely like I, I can see where where he got his success from just from his demeanor, the the way that he carried himself. So. So again, he came to Buffalo and we had the worst facilities in college football, pretty much any pick, pick something, right? We had no field house. We had still no field house. Now we, we joined division one in 1999 or division one, a in 1999, 2015, we still haven't broken ground in our field house. Um, there's a lot of issues in New York state and how it manages academics and how the state university systems laid out. That kind of makes it really hard to run an athletics department. Fair. So, but he came in and he, First year, five and seven. At one point, we were five and four and thinking, oh, this guy's going to get us to our, a bowl in his first year and just collapsed at the end of that season. The next season, he goes two and ten. And people are starting to wonder, okay, is he in over his head? But slowly but surely, you see kind of the bones that he built and the, and the crew that he assembled start to bear fruit. And eventually, we get to the point where not only can we win every now and again, but we can win, have our best players leave and win the next season and have our best players leave and say, oh, well, we can still win next season too. And that's, for a Buffalo fan, is something completely new. Yeah. Yeah, for Kansas fans, that's that would be something completely new as well. You know, it, it's, it's, it's good to hear you talking about it like that because I think Kansas is in a very similar situation to where Buffalo, you know, was when, when, when Leipold took over from the way that you're describing it, you know, in that, you know, they, they tried to go quick fixes. They tried to, like, bring in guys and – and the at the little tiniest bit of success, everyone kind of you know raised expectations and then panicked when it didn't when it didn't work out. And what we've found is that you know it's especially at the power five level, there's a lot of up and downs when you think you might be even a little bit successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know I, I imagine at the at the G five level, there's probably a decent amount of that as well. Um, but you just probably don't hear about it as much because for whatever reason. You know, Kansas oh, being yeah, the power from five. A basketball perspective, we have people pooping on our basketball coach because we're, we're not in the tournament again this year. It's like give the you know like yeah, we're, you know we're not in a multi bid conference. You know, like, yeah, oh yeah, no that that makes it that makes it really really hard. And and yeah. so yeah, no, but it's so so it's it's one of those things. It sounds like from what you're describing, he's he's level headed enough and he's got the demeanor to be able to go through those tough times and not really have it affect him. Because I think we saw that sure. for Kansas, we saw that with like David Beatty who you know, had that one big win against Texas and then everything went to crap the next season and he panicked and started getting entire classes of Juco players. Or when was, Gil beat uh, Georgia Tech in his first season. Right, right. Yeah. Or Gil had that first success and everyone was like, oh my gosh, like this may actually work. And then they fell on their face and lost to, I think it was See, South and Dakota. As an outsider, that's my, that's my concern for this whole situation, right? As an outsider, I don't think Lance Leipold would have got season three that he got at Buffalo at Kansas. And now maybe you guys have a new athletic director. Maybe it's a new thing. But I think if you guys you guys hire up a G five coach and he has an oh, all right first year and just craters his second year into a two and ten record, Kansas's recent history says to me they're going to do something drastic. Yeah, I think I think the big difference. I think if this was even two years ago, you know, when when Jeff Long was the athletic director mm-hmm. and you know back before the whole Les Miles thing, yeah. um, you know, I, I do think that expectations have cratered quite a bit, especially after the David Beatty issues and then Les Miles coming in and, you know, people thought that maybe they could get a little bit excited about Les Miles and he did exactly what he was supposed to do in terms of only taking high school recruits 
filling out recruiting classes, trying to like restock the cupboard there. And Leipold, so like, I don't think there's any expectations on what Leipold's going to be able to do in the first two seasons. I also don't think it's going to be a situation where if he somehow magically wins a game that he's not supposed to, like say Texas falls flat on their face again and Kansas upsets them. Like, I don't think the, I think the fan base is going to be skeptical enough, given what we went through with Beatty, that they're not immediately going to assume that, oh my gosh, everything is all better. And, you know, we should start expecting four or five wins every season after that. Um, I also like the fact that, that Leipold got a six-year contract. Um, Travis Goff, you know, he, he actually said it in his press conference, the the introductory press conference, the fact that, that Kansas fired the athletic director as well. Like, he got even more interested because now you're not coming in with an athletic director who's potentially trying to hire a guy to save his job. You've got two guys that are brand new, can build the vision of what they want moving forward together, you know, and, and, and hopefully that's going to give him this the stability that he needs. I know that Les Miles, you know, had that stability of what he needed. Les Miles would still be the coach here if it wasn't for his off-the-field issues. <laughs> and so, like, it's one of those things. I think Kansas was already prepared to give the next head coach that was here long-term that opportunity to build. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think they're not even going to think about what they have to do until year five at that point. And, like, if he's, if he's not winning, you know, if he's only winning one game in year five, then, yeah, there's probably going to be problems at that point. But at that point, the rebuild should be, you know, to the point mm-hmm. where you're where you're somewhere competitive at least. So, yeah. um, so so kind of talking a little bit about Leipold's system because you know I've I've heard that like one of the big things that people were throwing around around during the search that got a lot of people excited about Leipold is that you know he went one year was really really good in terms of passing and then the next year like they lost their best receiver and switched over to a really good running game or or, or maybe well, I have that backwards receiver yeah no it wasn't a receiver so. The pass, so he's gonna. You're gonna get mostly a pro set offense to receivers. Nothing, nothing too wild. Uh, formations will be very similar, but how he uses it's gonna depend greatly on personnel. The year everyone thinks of us being amazingly pass happy, um, we still ran the ball a lot and we ran it really well. But we had a quarterback who could launch a ball off his back foot sixty yards downfield on a rope. Right? Oh wow! So we 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 threw the, his name a guy by the name of Tyree Jackson. Uh, you know, so we threw the ball a lot. Like we really threw it all over the place. Tyree decided to leave early for the draft. Uh, and the next year we had a promising rookie, uh, a rookie, <laughs> I better look at the NFL. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> freshman. Right. And, um, he won the job over at that point, a junior, uh, Kyle Van Treese and the show promise got, got his back destroyed against Miami and missed the last of the se- missed the rest of the season. So Kyle Van Treese now steps in, takes over on a backup of the replacement to the quarterback who was the best quarterback <laughs> Buffalo probably ever had. Oh man. But we do have a great running back and a great line and the team shifts gears. The coaches use Kyle Van Treese as a game manager and Kyle's become an amazing game manager. He won the job outright this past year and took the team to, to being ranked, but he's not, you know, he doesn't have a cannon for an arm. He's got a decent arm. Leipold and his staff seem to find the best use for people and the best use for their system around people. But he's not going to he's not going to go out there and say, oh, I got I got a track team, you know, of receivers. So let's let's go run and shoot. You know, he's not going to do that. He's going to stay within himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think that's honestly what, what Kansas needs. I mean, we've we've mm-hmm. seen way too many coaches where they come in with their idea, like David Beatty had absolutely no idea, but decided that he wanted to decide what the offense was going to be doing. He had, he, I think he ran through three coordinators in three years. And in each one, the guy left because 
he meddled way too much in what the offense was doing without really having a clear vision of what he wanted to do. Les Miles, you know, we ran off probably one of our best prospects as offensive coordinator and Brent Deerman. Again, you know, partly because of issues with the offensive line, but also it seemed like Les Miles was tinkering a little bit more with what, you know, what was needed there. So it's, it sounds, it's, it, it's at least promising that even if it's not Leipold, who's maybe, maybe calling the shots, he knows how to get a system in place that works. Like now is, is, is he the one that runs the offense or does he bring in a guy and let that guy do it? Oh, he brings in a guy, uh, okay. you know, and, and he, I, I don't know the day-to-day inner workings of how, how they relate and, and what they do right, in terms right. of who runs what, but play calling is done by uh, Cole Nicky. Um, you know, Zembrowski does a lot of the manager and, and Ionello has been the, been the you know, offense coordinator slash um, in, he's the interim coach. Now I can't think what the term they had for him before was kind right. of our coaching. Um, he Leipold's a manager. He's going to manage the program. He's going to get the staff around him to do what he tells them to do. And he's going to let them go off and do it. And, you know, he's, he will tinker, but he doesn't do it, you know, kind of in an intrusive way, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, Cause he knows everything ends with him as the head coach. He's going to want to have the final say on stuff, but whoever he brings in and it sounds sadly like it's going to be most of the current staff. Uh, those are guys that have been with him. Some of them for almost 15 years. Oh, wow. I, I think uh, Brian Borland's been with him. I want I want to say back to 2005 when when Leipold went to Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, so I mean he does not run off assistance. You know any, anyone who kind of works on his staff stays there until either something amazing comes along or until Leipold moves on. He brought his whole staff over from Whitewater, like most of them, and a lot of us were hesitant at that. You know we're like okay fine he's a great D three coach but really we're going to hire a D three defensive right. coordinator, re offensive coordinator. And there were a lot of growing pains. Um, I don't think the jump from, uh, you know, Buffalo to Kansas is as great as the jump from Wisconsin Whitewater to Buffalo. Right. So I think it'll be fun jumping up to your level. Yeah, I mean that's definitely. I I I don't really know how to take that. I know that there's there are a decent number of assistants that are on this Kansas staff that that shows some promise, but obviously you know. He, he he talked a lot, he being Leipold in his introductory press conference about that continuity and bringing in guys that he thought are going to be there for the long haul. And, you know, if he's had a staff that he's basically been able to keep fairly intact for 15 plus years, then there's a good chance that most of them are probably coming because they're probably not going to move on until, you know, it's their turn to be a head coach. Um, it was my hope that one, that Buffalo would have been able to tempt one of them with the head coaching job, promote some others and kind of keep the staff together a bit. But I don't know if it's going to work out like that. For us. Well, yeah, and 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 that'll kind of jump in. I think one of the questions we have here in just a minute. But I, I, I you know, it, it 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 definitely sounds like I was surprised by how many of the current KU assistants are now like updated Twitter bios and stuff. Like it looks like for the vast majority they've they've cleaned house and staff. And, and I don't know if it's if it's because nobody really knows where they're at, and so they haven't you know, just assume that they're going to get to stay or if they've been told essentially, sorry, but you're moving on <laughs> at this point. So, but it, you know, it, it does seem reasonable, I think for Leipold to bring in a good portion of the staff. There are some guys that I kind of hope stick around in like Emmett Jones. Um, you know, there are, there are a few other guys that are doing really well. And, you know, this, this, this Kansas defense is a whole lot of talent. So I'm, I am curious to see um, it, it. It sounds like Leipold's defensive coordinators coming over. I'll be interested to kind of see what he can do with them. 
because from my, what I understand, and again, I'm getting all my information secondhand, so, so definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but Buffalo performed pretty well with their defensive system last year. Oh, um, yes. And so, like, get that coaching staff that's been able to like, coach up the, the defense that you guys have with the talent that Kansas has a defense, and I'm, I'm definitely interested to kind of see what can happen there because I, I do know that Kansas def- defensively, one of the big issues that they've had just seemed to be that the defense – was you know out of out of place with scheming and stuff like that. So I'll be interested to kind of see what they're able to do there. But um, is is there a certain kind of defense that they like to run while they were at Buffalo, or is is it more of kind of just pick pick you know what works well with the guys that they have? Um, your base four three, um, a lot of athletic, a lot of athleticism on the ends, right. It's it's always been kind of a high pressure defense. If Buffalo suffered from anything, their pass coverage has been average to sub average at times. Uh, but the the defensive backs are great hitters, right? They're great run supporters. Uh, we've had a, quite a few guys who will punish you if you catch the ball, uh, but that comes at a cost, and the cost is usually the over the top pass that teams will manage to find on us. Is that because of just like that's kind of the the guys they have in the defensive secondary or is that who they kind of recruit is guys that can be big hitters and not necessarily those that can cover the reason I ask because Kansas has like that's the one place that's been very successful they've had very very good cover safeties and good cover corners and where they where they tend to struggle is when they're trying to kind of come up and help out with the linebackers are struggling, then they end up getting beat over the top. But if they can just kind of sit and do what they need to do, they've been really good. And they have some 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 really good guys in like Karan Prunty, you know, and, and a few other young guys who really made huge strides last year. So what I'm curious is, is, is that an artifact of the guys that have been in the system and their talents? Or is that really the way that the system is set up that they focus more on? guarding up front, helping with the run for their defensive backs? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think you throw in the fact we had some real depth issues with injuries this year. So, I mean, we, at points we were down to our third guy on corner, you know, um, and, and again, they did adequate. You know, I mean, we finished the season with a bowl win, you know, six and one in rank. So I can't I can't complain too much. Right. Uh, but we got torched in the conference championship game through the air. And it's, it's just, it's what it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I did have just a couple more questions. Um, but before I get to them, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. If you love the big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10, 12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the big 12 conference, forget the sec, forget the big 10 and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. All right. So um, just a couple more quick questions. You know, we've, we've kind of talked about kind of the the talent that they've been able to work with while they were at Buffalo in terms of the recruiting though. Cause obviously that's a big question when you're at a, at a school like Kansas where you're probably not gonna be able to recruit with, you know, the guys that are up at the top of the conference, obviously mm-hmm. um, they just don't have the pedigree there. What, what, what kind of players did Leipold and his staff really kind of look for and how were they successful at getting the players that could actually allow them to build the system that they did? Well, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but there's a lot of JUCOs uh, coming into Buffalo. 
Okay. Um, but again, you know, I know I, I know gets a lot of, a lot of crap. Um, and, and in some ways I'm willing to throw some of it out there, but he has a great eye for Jugo talent. Um, and if you're a school that is going to have trouble competing because you're competing against Texas and, you know, other big names that, that the blue chippers are going to go to that guy who should have been a blue chipper two years ago, but didn't got overlooked and went to community college, but is now ready. You know, INL will find him for you. Um, that's what he's good at. Buffalo's problem for a long time was, and I, I harped on facilities earlier, but we, we've actually caught up to the conference, right? So we've actually in the past five years built a new football office building, built a new field house, built new locker. I mean, our locker rooms they are, are great. Our, our physical therapy, our physical, uh, not physical therapy, occupational therapy or the, right. the, the, med, the med bay is, is yeah. now, uh, you know, um, <laughs> you know, for, for a G5, it's as good as a, as good as a P5 schools. Awesome. Um, you know, there's been a lot of investment in the football program and the recruiting has started to benefit from that. I don't put too much stock in recruiting rankings, um, partially because Buffalo is one of those schools that's always competing for the two and three stars, not the, the four stars and the blue, you know, the blue chippers. Right. Uh, so, and I realized the difference between your average three star and your average two star is not that much. If you find the right guy for your system, the right guy for your program, he's going to do fine. And, and Leipold and company have done that. Jarrett and James Patterson. Yeah. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of, of Jarrett Patterson or not, but if you've been watching college football in the past year, you've heard of him. Uh, yeah. I mean, he puts freakish numbers. Uh, he was not our primary target. Right. Our primary target was uh, James Patterson, who's a fantastic linebacker all conference. The two of them wanted to play together. Um, Leifold decided to give him that opportunity. Right. So, I mean, they're opportunistic. They got eyes for, for, you know, budget deals, I suppose you say, and, and they'll look for good players. I don't know how they'll do in an environment when like the, the P5, I, I just, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, th- there's definitely a big difference there. Now, I, I guess really the question is how heavy were they in terms of recruiting the Juco? Was it something where they like, you know, got say 16 or 17 high school kids and then they filled out the class with Juco or were they really heavy in Juco recruiting? Cause that is where, that's where Kansas run into problems where they go super heavy with Juco recruiting. And then the high school players that they did recruit end up yeah. transferring pretty quickly. And, and and there you run into all kinds of problems. If I had to guess, I'd say, I'd say it's a former. I'd say it feels like we get 12 to 17 high school players a year. Okay. And we fell out with, you know, anywhere between five to seven really good Juco players. So, so something that's sustainable, maybe not quite what we were, were hoping in turn, but Kansas is also at the point where they've for the most part restocked the cupboard in terms of recruit. So, you know, where they're at now, I think they could probably handle the kind of recruiting that you're talking about. If this was two years ago, I don't think it would work at all because they would have to go highly you know, high school just to be able to to get back to where they had a full complement of scholarship players. So it, 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 I'm definitely not as concerned as I potentially could have been. But, you know, this is going to tie into the next question because you're talking about Ionello. And, you know, for, for those of you guys that are listening that aren't aware, you know, he does have a history with Kansas. He was here um, back with, uh, I believe it was Beatty. Um, no, sorry. No, it was, Weiss. He was with um, Weiss. What's his name? Weiss, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Weiss. I, I For some reason, I thought he had carried over to Beatty for like the first year or two, but no, he definitely did not. Um, you know, Weiss went extremely heavy on JUCOs, and I think a lot of that was probably pressure that Weiss put on Ionello and suppose Ionello just completely deciding that we're going to go, you know, 20 JUCO recruits every year. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it definitely sounds like Leipold maybe has 
reined in the tendency to go super heavy on JUCO. So I'm not necessarily as worried. I am, I am definitely based off of some of the conversations that I've heard of, you know, some of the relationships with, with various Kansas coaches. I'm hoping that there's been enough turnover there that is not necessarily going to be an issue, but I guess we'll just have to see, you know, there is, there is potentially the possibility um, because he was named as the interim head coach um, that theoretically he could end up sticking around, but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case. Based off of what you're hearing and based off of what you've seen reported, how how likely is it? Do you think that you know some of the guys that are currently there that were on part of the staff would would actually stay, or does it seem like Buffalo is very intent on finding an outside coach? So I've seen two lists, right, from different sources. One right. list is, is is four names that are probably going to go. One list is like seven names that people are saying are the current scuttlebutt of people who are going to go. Those four people are on the seven, so I'm almost sure that they're gone. Right, right. Uh, other three do include Ionello. Um, Ionello has been very good to Leipold. Ionello was actually the first person. Le- so Lance Leipold, when he was hired at Buffalo, he was still coaching Wisconsin Whitewater, and the deal was he would finish his season before coming to Buffalo. Right. Because uh, we fired Quinn midseason. We hired Leipold really early. Um, I mean, for, for the coaching hires, I think we hired Leipold in November, late November, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to come till he finished the D three playoffs. Fair. He hired Ionello right away to come sit in the chair at Buffalo, keep it warm and manage things while he was doing his thing. So him and Ionello have a five-year history now, a really good working relationship. He, he was his right-hand man at Buffalo. I would not be shocked to see him go. Um, and, and honestly, if again, if you want to let a guy come in and build a staff, you gotta, you gotta take the risk. He's going to come. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's so it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things I could definitely see it happening both ways though. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if Buffalo decides that they want some sort of continuity to kind of continue the program that Leipold had started there and they hand it over to Ionello, I just don't know based off what I'm hearing, how likely it is that they actually want Ionello to be the guy to run the program moving forward, which if that's the case, and he's not going to get a legitimate opportunity to be the head coach, then it's probably a fairly safe bet that he's coming over to Kansas. If I had to guess, right, this is a, this is a sign. Uh, what 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 language is this for? <laughs> what language do we restrict ourselves to? <laughs> uh, this is a, a scientific wild blank guess on yeah. my part. If the UB administration thought that keeping Ionello as head coach would keep most of the staff, he'd be the head coach by now. Fair. Um, if the UB administration gets the feeling that there's nothing they can do, they're going to lose 90% of their coaches. I don't know what the value add in keeping one coach, any of the coaches is in terms of continuity, Brian Borland, who I love and would be my pick to be the UB head coach. Um, he's our defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know if, if he can't keep the staff together, I don't think you keep him for continuity. You might keep him anyways, but continuity is out the window if you lose 70 80 percent of your staff it doesn't matter if you keep one or two guys well right and Borland is one of the names that i'm hearing is potentially could be going um i've seen that on the list too yeah yeah. so i mean you know it's it kind of one of those things if he's going and he's the one that you probably think would be the in the best position you know to kind of keep things together i i do think kind of given what i've heard that i know it probably is not the guy to keep you know 75 percent of staff together um and kind of to your point like if you are having to replace most of your staff, you're almost better off bringing in someone from outside so that he can poach his own guys from other places where he has mm-hmm. relationships. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. It seems likely that the vast majority of the staff is probably either coming to Kansas or is going to find themselves out of a job when a new coach comes. So, um, 
you know, again, I know it puts you guys in a tough position, especially at the point of the year that it is. Um, but I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of one of the facts of life of the way that this goes. It's just kind of horrible timing. So, again, I do apologize for wrecking your guys' coaching staff at this point in the season. Um, just again. know that and you never hired Jeff Quinn away from us. Why the hell? Did you do that? <laughs> Too bad. Sorry, <laughs> but no. So I mean, you know, kind of talking though about obviously this is history. Like there, there is some history with Kansas taking a Buffalo coach. Um, and this is the big question that everybody has, you know, kind of talked to me. It's like, you know, they found out I, I was talking with you. And it's like, well, you, you have to ask because obviously, you know, we, we have taken a Buffalo coach in the past and it failed spectacularly in, in Turner Gill. Um, so from what you remember of Turner Gill's time at Buffalo, um, were there significant differences in the way that his program was run to what Leipold does that makes you think that potentially the way that Leipold, you know, will will handle Kansas or be successful at Kansas or will not be successful at Kansas would be any different than what Gil was? From the outside, Gil struck me as much more personable, much more the player's coach, uh, really inspired the loyalty and love of the guys who play for him. I think Leipold gets some of that. I, I don't, Leipold's not a jerky coach. His players do love him. Uh, but I don't think they view him quite the same way that Turner Gill's um, that, that Turner Gill's players viewed him. Uh, Leipold's much more business-like about managing. I think Gill was a little bit more hands-on. Uh, not overly, though. He had a staff who he trusted. And the scuttlebutt was Kansas wouldn't let him bring his staff. Right. When, when Gil came, it was kind of like, you can come, but you just can't bring anybody. Right. Um, yeah. Which, so to be fair, I mean, at the time, one, Kansas was a mess at that point anyway. And yeah. from what I understand, the way that the, you know, the way that it, that it worked there, I, I don't know that any of those coaches would have been any more successful if they had come over to Kansas than, well, I don't, I, I think yeah, it's than, than Gil was. I, so as a Buffalo fan, I, I am immensely tired of the crapping on Turner, Turner Gill that I hear from KU fans. Well, uh, yeah, it's, I, I just, yeah, you gave him a season and a half till basically you were writing his pink slip out at a situation that was brutal. No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think his failure at Kansas was less on what he was than dealing with Lou Perkins. Lou, Lou yeah. Perkins was an absolute nightmare to deal with, you know, Mangino got ran out when he probably shouldn't have, um, honestly. And Gil was the unfortunate person who had to step into it. I do think that he was probably a little over his head where he was at, but a lot of that I don't think was necessarily his, like his fault. Yeah. So, but see, that's where I get back to. Like, I think Leipold was in over his head in Buffalo the first two seasons. It was a, it was a big jump. That second season he goes two and ten. Yeah. I don't know if he lasts. Right. So. Um, and Gill goes from Kansas to Liberty and turns Liberty around to the point where Liberty's a really good team. He only left, stepped away from Liberty because he had uh, health issues in his family he had to deal with. Right, right. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any question Turner Gill can coach. Right. Uh, I don't think he was the right hire for Kansas. Um, but I, I don't think it's a ref- – like you said, I don't think it's a reflection on him. I think it's a reflection on you guys. You guys needed a miracle worker at that point. Yep, and I don't know that anyone who you could have hired who wasn't me, who wasn't coaching Alabama at the time, could have really helped you. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny because a lot of people talk about the dysfunction of Kansas, and and I I think the dysfunction at Kansas was less 
you know, the actual environment itself. And it was more the ADs. Like, our mm -hmm. ADs were, have been absolutely atrocious. <laughs> you know, think about who, who they were. Lou Perkins completely, you know, he ends up getting ridden out on a rail because he was, you know, he had to deal with, like, a corruption case. He was basically skimming money off for personal stuff that uh, <laughs> ended up, that, that's, that's why he ended up leaving. And then, you know, you have Shane Zinger, who, I'm going to be honest, was an absolute disaster of an AD for, for Kansas. You know, and then Jeff Long, who came in with absolutely the wrong mindset and did everything that he wasn't supposed to do to actually try to get the program turned around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's 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 hard for me to hold it against Gill. But I think it's also important to realize that Gill was just the wrong coach for mm -hmm. the situation. I think I think that's an apt description. I, as a note, yeah, I, I would say Buffalo has hired. Our last five athletic directors have been promoted upwards high in the world. You have Ward Manuel at Michigan. You have Danny White at um, Tennessee now. You have Alan Green at at Auburn. So our last – and now we have another – you know. so the question you have to ask is who's hiring your athletic directors? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, also, it's also kind of one of those things. And, and I think that was one of the reasons Leipold actually had talked about, like, why he was – excited about the opportunity and kind of really looking forward to it was the fact that there's going to be continuity at the athletic director um, position. So that's definitely going to be helpful for Leipold in this role. Um, you know, I definitely do think that everything that they're able to do is going to be setting him up a whole lot better to, to have an opportunity there. So I'm, I'm definitely hoping he's as, as successful as we're all hoping he's going to be realizing it's going to take a while. Um, but okay. So final I guess final final question for you. Just, did you have any other thoughts, anything else that you think that it would it's important for Kansas fans to know about Leipold as he comes into this position? Um, no, I, I think I, I will say at one point in time, anecdote time, someone tried to create a parody account, a friend of mine, uh, a, a parody for Lance Leipold and gave up after like a week. Just, guy's just because there was like parody. no, there was like he no good sound bites. So vanilla. He is so vanilla. I'm going to be honest. After less miles, I think that's what yeah. Kansas needs at this point. It, so. it could, it, yeah, it could be. Well, then again, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, but um, good guy. Just I, I wish I was in the practices to see like the emotion, the emotional side of him, but very controlled. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining me. For for those yep. that want to get more information about Buffalo and kind of, you know, I, I know that I'm probably going to, as I've done every time we've taken a coach from somewhere else, kind of keep tabs on where he came from uh, to kind of see, you know, how badly we've messed everything up for you. Um, or hopefully, like, you find another good situation and can continue to, to, to grow from there. Where where can everybody find your work online? Um, we're at ubbullrun.com. It's SB Nation's hub. It's one of the few G5 schools that get their, their very own pretty SB Nation blog. Yeah, I was fully expecting that I was going to have to talk, you know, like talk to the Mac people. Um, yeah, and I saw that you guys yeah. were off on your own. I'm like, oh, sweet. I love talking because, you know, I've trying to, to deal with the, the, the armed services one and trying to, like, figure out who the right person to talk to was. And usually there's only one person who has any idea. So uh, definitely good to have an entire site there of someone that we can – you know, talk with and, and kind of, uh, well, ha, ha, have someone who actually knows what they're talking about when we're talking about the coach. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining me. It was absolutely great to have you on on the podcast here tonight. 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out where, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just uh, search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, if you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, I'd absolutely love that. If, you know, for, for whatever reason you're not able to do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need and in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also contact, you know, Fetch, who's, who's normally on the podcast here with me as well. At Rock Chalk Talk, that's that's for the Rock Chalk Talk site as well. But uh, now that we're on Anchor, you can actually leave us a voicemail. So if you have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, you can actually get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave that there. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Tim, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.